0: So this morning, uh, we're going to be back in Acts chapter 15, verse 22. Uh, we took a little break last week into Romans. Um, you know, and last week uh, in chapter 1 of Romans, at the end of it, we discussed, um, you know, that America is really in a dark time, a dark place. And I just read yesterday that um, one of the most conservative judges on the Supreme Court passed away. They found him dead in his uh, I believe in his home i'm not sure and they weren't releasing a cause of death they said i wasn't sure which is very interesting Uh, i guess you know supreme court justice they're going to do an autopsy but at this point i wouldn't be surprised if it's foul play but uh, don't quote me on that but um you know just with the way things are going in in any sense even if it's if it's not some actual conspiracy it's definitely a sign that dark days are ahead Uh, you know we see our president has a year left and um, i'm sure he's going to try and appoint someone while congress doesn't want so it's interesting You know, we need to pray. You know, 2016 is pretty dark already. But um, with the sway of the court and the Supreme Court and a lot of big cases coming their way this year, um, uh, things could get much darker. But, uh, you know, the title of today's message is Do Well. Do well. And it even has a subtitle of It Seemed Good. It Seemed Good. And I mean that in a good way. Like, not like when you look back on things, you went, well, it seemed good at the time, you know, to buy that boat that's now a leaky mess or it seemed good at the time to buy that car and now it's uh you know uh, just costing you an arm and a leg but this is, it seemed good in a good way like it seemed good to do something and so we did something and we'll see that again acts, acts praxeus is the works of uh usually kings and everything but we see that god really is using ordinary people ordinary men and women in the church that the church is made up of people and, and god does great things through them and that's a hope that we can have because I know I feel pretty ordinary today. I feel pretty ordinary this week. Uh, but even more than that, man, um, that God would even want to use any of us and God would want a relationship with any of us uh, is something to, uh, uh, to think about. But uh, we saw that uh, James began to speak up, um, you know, that the, the people had these burdens to keep the law, that the Judaizers and, and other Jewish believers were trying to put a burden on the Gentile believers that, that really shouldn't have been there. And they went into a deep discussion on it. They had a debate about it. But I think the best part is that they came to a spiritual conclusion. You know, they didn't draw straws this time, they didn't cast lots, they didn't take a consensus and see what was the most popular opinion, but they really consulted the Lord, they looked at the scriptures, and they considered what God was doing among the people and that um, it wasn't necessary. But today, you know, we're talking about doing well or, or to do well. And when you think of doing well, I don't know. This scripture comes to mind for me, but it's in Matthew 25, 31 through 46. And I'm sure you're familiar with this area. It's, Jesus says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, he's following up um, the parable about the the talents and uh, they get rewards for it. You've been faithful with little, you've been given much. He says, uh, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, so he switched to reality from parable here, all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. And all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, and the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. And I was stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying lord when do we see you hungry and he goes on and, and goes on and says that you know when you did these to the least of these when you did these to the least of my brethren you did it unto me and, he, and the wicked um didn't do that but that you know that they would enter in their father's rest you're not know, saying to the lord that well done my good and faithful servant enter into your father's rest that man when, when we finish life have we done well have we done well and are we doing well um You know uh, doing well growing up maybe think about that maybe report card time every quarter a report card would have to come home maybe you had to bring it home maybe it came in the mail i don't remember but uh, there were some nervous days for me when i was older and then there weren't some not so nervous days but when i was younger it was easy to get A's. but then when i was older it wasn't so much maybe in sports Maybe your parents had you in sports and they wanted you to do well. Or maybe you just were into sports and you wanted to do well. You know, I played hockey growing up and always wanted to do well and be a good goalie and all that. I also did uh, some other, um, you know, non-traditional sports like rollerblading and a little skateboarding and stuff. But I always wanted to do well. You know, and the idea in that sense was if you got sponsored, you were doing well. And I was nowhere near getting sponsored, let me tell you. But maybe there's also behavior at home. Maybe you did well. Maybe your parents were, were nice and it was easy to be obedient. Maybe they weren't and and you were just obedient because you wanted to do well and not get a whooping. You know, the Bible says that if you obey your parents, you know, there's long life in that. And I think that that's related. Um, but man, what did you want to be? Or what did you think you wanted to be when you grew up, when you were younger, when you were little? Astronaut, fireman, you know, all sorts of things. Um, uh, military, maybe. I don't know. Um. But uh, what did it mean to you to be doing well in life or to do well? Was it to be successful financially? Was it to be successful um, intellectually or, or, or being a sports athlete or, or someone famous? Um, what did it mean to do well? And, and as we get older, I'm putting we in there because a friend and I were talking at work about getting older the other day. Uh, we're about the same age and just thinking, oh, you know, forties right around the corner and longer than that. But really, um, you know, are the standards changing? are they changing for you as you get older they're going well when i was little i wanted to be a millionaire but i know that's not going to happen now so i'll settle for being a half a millionaire well that's definitely not going to happen so i'll settle for <laughs> just being out of debt you know whatever it is are our standards kind of you know going down a little bit as time is growing shorter as we're getting older and perhaps reality is setting in maybe it's just you know you used to want to own your own business and now you're just content in being in a cubicle and again, I'm not saying to not be content. I'm not saying that I think you know that would be a narrow lens here. Maybe that's what the Lord has for us. Maybe the Lord has us to not be rich and not be a sports star. Maybe you had to give those things up uh, to do well spiritually at some point. You know, I have some friends who uh, were very successful in other fields and in order to do well, they had to give up what they were doing to continue to follow the Lord, even though they had a promising future in front of them because they knew that that's, what the, that's not what the Lord had for them. And so to them, uh, doing well, Turned out to be different than what others might say for them, but what does God dream for you, and will His will be done in our lives and be done well? God has dreams and plans for us, and God has a will for you and I, but will that will be done well when when the end comes, when we die or when the Lord returns, will we be able to say, Lord, you know you you had a great will for me, did I do it? Did I carry it out? You know I think of well done food you know have you guys heard about the fast food debacle lately where you know, the restaurants had, I guess it was E. coli like, going around or something, and people were getting sick, so they lost all this business. turns out maybe it was some of their employees who were sick. Um, but I remember reading about this one uh, guy who's involved in the food industry. I don't know if he's an inspector or something, but he says uh, he won't eat certain foods anymore when he goes out because he knows just how they're prepared and how the food system works. And he always orders everything well done, you know. And um, you know I had a friend the other day, we were talking about getting steaks and food and stuff, and he says, just walking through a warm room. Just walk it through a warm room. Don't even cook it. I want it very rare. And I think, man, are our lives going to be that? When we get to heaven, are we going to be got, eh it's not really totally cooked yet? Or are we going to be overcooked? Or you know, are we going to be done well there? You know, Revelation 3, uh, 14 through 22. It's a little long, but I'm going to read it here uh, as we have this long intro to our section today. But it says, "In the angel of the church of scenes right." These things, says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich, have become wealthy and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy uh, me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit on me with my throne. As I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. You know, that's God speaking to the churches. It's not necessarily an unbelieving nation, but a church that's cold, a church that's lukewarm, that, man, you know, um, in the summer it's nice to have a cold iced tea or a cold lemonade or a cold drink. In the winter it's nice to have a hot coffee or a hot chocolate, but really having a warm soda, not so much. Having a, 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 a room temperature coffee, not so much. You know, I like iced coffee. I'm not the biggest fan of hot coffee, but I like iced coffee. But if it's in the middle iced or hot it's kind of gross and that's what the lord's saying here. it's, it's gonna spit out believers who are lukewarm that aren't hot or cold that he wishes they were one or the other that he might get their attention but i think that comes down to you know that ties into to doing well for us is that man if we're not doing well we're kind of man you know you're kind of coasting through school with a c or a D average you know you're passing but are you really passing are you really doing well yeah you're gonna graduate but you know what did you really get out of it and i wonder for our lives you know that doing well it, it takes effort it doesn't just come easy i mean some people are gifted you know guys like usain bolt who just have this natural ability to run fast and i'm sure he trains like crazy you know there, i like i believe my daughter can sing and we were talking the other night about that like if she got music lessons or singing lessons it would probably help her to sing better she doesn't necessarily need to be taught how to sing so to speak you know like she has a natural ability you know sometimes people have the natural ability but they also need that education. Sometimes people don't have the ability. You still need to learn to, to know how to do something. But when it comes to doing well, it doesn't just take that natural ability, so to speak. It takes it takes time. It takes effort. Um, it takes going on and continuing. The Bible says, What's the difference between a righteous man and an unrighteous man? Well, a righteous man falls seven times, but he gets up. He keeps going. If you want to keep if you want to do well, you need to keep going. If I want to do well, I need to keep going. No matter how how many times we fail or fall. We need to get up and keep going because that's the only way, you know, the Bible says that we need to finish well, finish strong, that it's a race that if we just start out, run real fast and yeah, maybe we want, we won the, uh, the first three legs of the race, but that last leg of the race, we just kind of sat on our laurels. Well, we didn't finish well. We, we probably would lose like the tortoise and the hare, but I think doing well also takes help that we can't expect to do well in this Christian life on our own. That we need others to instruct us, others to lead us, others to help us, as we also do that for other people. That it's not um, uh, 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 a winner-take-all sort of thing, in a sense. Um, I'm trying to think of the word, but it's, it's not like a cutthroat. It's not a dog-eat-dog competition, Christianity. It's not like the world where you have to climb over people to be successful, but you actually help other people, um, and that's, that is successful. That is doing well. But doing well is also subjective to what or whom we are doing well for that like we talked about before you know um, are we doing well in people's eyes or are we doing well in God's eyes you know just because our circumstances and our lives don't look successful to the world does not mean that they're not successful in God's eyes and just because our lives may be successful in the world's eyes or even our own eyes doesn't mean that it's successful um, or done well to God's standards, right? You know, a lot of people are very wealthy, but how did they get there? Um, how did they get there? Or whether that's physical wealth or, um, uh, fame or fortune or friends or whatever it is, you know, we need to make sure that we're doing well, uh, the way God would have us, uh, uh, do well. But with that, let's get into, uh, verse 22 in Acts chapter 15. And again, Lord, we ask that you would, uh, help us do well, that God in this time together in your Word, You would uh, Instruct us and lead us and show us, God, uh, the way that our feet should go to do well. And uh, help us, God. We need your strength. We cannot do it uh, without you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Acts 15, 22. Then it pleased the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, who was also named Barsabbas, and Silas, leading men... Among the brethren. They wrote this letter by them. Oh, excuse me that water's not really going down. The apostles and the elders and brethren, to the brethren who are of the Gentiles at Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia, greetings. Since we have heard that some who went out from us have troubled you with words, unsettling your souls, saying you must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment. It seemed good to us. Being assembled with one accord to send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who will also report the same things by word of mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things that you abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. We'll stop there for right now. We see that these were leading men among the brethren. There's there these people in the church who are obviously leading men. There were Paul, Barnabas, this guy named Judas or Busavis. I guess in those days and age, if I was called Judas, I don't know that I'd want to keep that name, probably find something else. And uh, Silas, as we see here. But we see that you know that leaders aren't really chosen. Leaders aren't really chosen. Yeah, in, in our society we elect leaders. Um, And, you know, you get the whole debate. Did we really elect them or is it just uh, how much money was spent on their campaigns? You know, there's all sorts of debates on that. But we at least have the illusion of we get to elect our people. And I believe that our vote does matter and does count. But that these guys, they weren't elected into office. They weren't uh, chosen in that manner by men. We remember remember what happened when the disciples tried to choose the next apostle and how that worked out uh, for poor Matthias. But um, we see that uh, David, if we read the Old Testament, we see that where was he when, when Samuel was told by God to come anoint the next king? Well, he wasn't with his brothers. He wasn't even in the running. He wasn't even in the race. He didn't even get into the latest debate. He was out in the field with the sheep. And we see that, that he was doing the work of God. He was out ministering to the flock, singing to God, spending time with the Lord, protecting the sheep as God was training him up. And he didn't look like a leader at that time. He was still a young man. And that's the same thing here, that the, the, the leaders are the ones doing the work. They're the ones with the people, among the people. You know, that saying that the cream rises to the top, that these guys were doing the work. Um, Psalm 75, 6 through 7. For exaltation comes neither from the east nor the west, nor from the south. But God is the judge. He puts down one and exalts another. That God is the one who promotes us, whether it's at work or in life or wherever else. He's the one who brings promotion or demotion. And 1 Timothy 5.22, Do not lay your hands on anyone hastily, nor share in other people's sins, but keep yourself pure. You know, that we need to be careful who we consider leadership in our lives, whether that's as a church and who we ordain as leaders, or whether that's in our lives. We say, well, who do we allow to to speak into us? We need to be careful. Um, Again, uh, because appearances can be deceiving. But 1 Timothy 3.10 says, But let also these first be tested. Let them serve as deacons, being found blameless. You know, that these guys doing the work Are the leaders and I think that's very opposite of the world a lot of times the world I'm not saying everywhere I'm not saying my job or any place I've really worked maybe but sometimes the people who are in leadership don't do any work they're the guy you know you think of uh, you know the rich uh, the rich person's kid Uh, you know maybe you can think of a celebrity who's very rich and they don't do any work because they've inherited everything and they're famous and they get TV shows um, but they don't do any work. And it's the people who are cleaning up their parents' establishment. The people who are working the hardest for the least amount of money are doing the most work while the leader goes out and plays golf or the leader goes on vacation. The leader comes and goes when they do. And they don't really do any of the work, but it's the people underneath. But in the spiritual sense, in the church, in God's economy, things are very different. A lot of times the leaders are those who are doing the most work. And I don't mean that running around and necessarily doing the most physical activity makes you... A uh, more leader than someone who doesn't i mean we look at the whole reason why they made deacons and the, it was time for the the spiritual leadership to commit themselves to spiritual things but we see that it's very opposite of the world that a lot of times you know uh, jesus said that the greatest among you is going to be at least he's going to be the servant of all he's not going to be one not doing the work he's going to be one doing the work he's doing the work and that's what the lord did it's very opposite of the world you know uh, I, I call it the scourge of assistant pastor pointing that you know sometimes people they're they're serving and they're serving hard and then they get promoted to a place of uh authority whether it's a deacon whether it's a youth leader whether it's a pastor or uh, whatever it is and then all of a sudden it just becomes like a union job site <laughs> where they're all standing around and, and i haven't really experienced this too much i've seen a little bit i've heard a little bit about it um you know i've heard from other pastors of other places as well that they stand around and, and they're not really doing anything you know church is going on and you have the holy huddle going on and, and they're all just talking to each other while they're not doing the work. And the new guys doing all the work. Uh, you know, they stand around and they point. Um, I'm not saying that's really anybody I know necessarily, but uh, it's it's dangerous that when we get promoted, we've been serving the Lord with a pure heart and God begins to work in us and use us and even maybe gives us a title that we go, oh, well, I've, I've attained something. I don't need to do anything anymore. And it's really, it's the opposite. We become very more uh, accountable for that. And we see with these guys when they get sent, in the letter that uh, not only that was that these guys were sent because they were the leadership but because their leadership had weight to it that when these guys said something people would believe it people would listen because their lives uh, were a life of service as we'll see here in a minute um, you know again delegation is one thing but pawning off for responsibility is another it's smart as you get into leadership to learn how to de- delegate and hand off uh, responsibility uh, but another one where it's just like you just don't want to do it and because you have the authority i mean maybe we have bosses that way i don't know i don't thankfully i uh it's not that way for me to work but it says here that uh it pleased the church to send them and i think that it's such a great deal to be pleased with other believers and want to support them as they support others it was it seemed good to them and it pleased them to send uh these leaders off to another church to encourage another church for an indefinite amount of time and i think it's so important that we support power church ministries guys who go around um, i think i don't know if you guys ever heard of a guy like named santos who uh, is this musical ministry that goes around and ministers to the churches to support him and his wife um, or missionaries that we know whether it's in another church or our friends or a youth group who want to go somewhere or go to bible college to support them or Uh, maybe our friends feel led to go be involved in something, et cetera, that we would look upon these other people and be pleased and want to help them encourage the church where needed, you know? And and does it please us to promote others? Does it please us when God calls out someone else to do something? Does it please us when God calls someone else um, to a a spot of quote-unquote glory or use? Um, Does it please us to bless others? Does it please us to encourage or equip others um, or you know, do we want to just get ahead in ministry? And I think that that's that's such a bad motive to have. You know, I've I remember that's still a, a, always a struggle. You know, man, what are our motives? Why are we doing what we're doing? Um, but especially being a, a young believer, I don't know that I did it consciously, but it was always kind of there was always a striving. I think it was the, the mentality of being a bunch of uh, amongst, amongst a bunch of other young guys who were all serving the Lord and on fire for the Lord. And it was kind of you know, not that it was ever cutthroat, but it was always kind of, oh, you know, how much can I do? How much can I do? And it was easy to to lose track of what was most important uh, and just being with the Lord. But, you know, does it please us um, when others get ahead in life, whether it's financially or physically or relationally? You've been single forever and then all of a sudden all your friends get married. Are you pleased for them? You know, not that you wouldn't want to get married yourself, but does it please you? And I think, um, you know, spiritually, may we not be like that, that idea that floats around through youth, in, especially towards the end of high school as kids are getting older and college, and they go, I can't wait to get out of this town because there's nothing to do here. <laughs> you know, it's like, if any of us, as you can on for a little while, you realize there's nothing to do anywhere. You know, once you've been in a, while, a place for a while, you realize, eh, yeah, it kind of wears off. I mean, even New York City, I'm sure people get a kick out of there, but eventually it's just going to be the same thing over and over again. Or D.C. or any place that has a lot of things to do, you know, and may that not be as spiritually. As we're going through life, go, man, there's nothing to do here. I just want to go somewhere else. And may that never be us. Um, You know, maybe just want to go where the Lord would have us go. But he says verse 24, that some went out from us and that they troubled you with words. And, and and that's dangerous. You know, so often have I seen that be the case that there's rumors, there's backbiting, there's false doctrine that goes on just because someone claims the name of Jesus. Or someone says that they went to this church and they're now at your church and they're talking about how bad the pastor was at the church they were at or they're talking about what was going on at the church that they came from and well well why are you really telling me and and why do you feel the need you know is it is it really helpful i mean uh, some maybe some case there is but i find more often than not it's just gossip it's just man they're they're bitter about something um you know and just because they claim the name or they have the degree or the decree it doesn't necessarily mean that that what they're saying is right or true or something to be listened to or held on. we see that. These guys uh, went out. They said they were believers. They said they came from so-and-so. And and these people, these young believers, these Gentile believers, began to get tripped up by what they were telling them. They had to do these works. You know, I see that so often. I'm shocked by, maybe I shouldn't be at this point, but by what I hear on the radio or what I see on the TV or what comes in and out of these movements. Uh, You know, there's a a message, a video message I shared uh, in the... Uh, email from Joe Foch um, about these movements that come in and out of churches. And it's like shocking that people get wrapped up in these things just because someone claims to have some anointing or someone claims to have some authority um, and how dangerous that is. You know, I, I've been around some people who get hung up on peck doctrine. You know, these unessentials that we've been talking about or even personal convictions that they begin to take as a personal conviction and they turn it into this large monumental doctrine that they try and put as a yoke of burden, as we've seen on other people. And that because that they had some leadership, whether they were a deacon, or whether they were a pastor, or whether they had been a believer for X amount of years, um, they've got this cloud and young people who are susceptible to these things get sucked into it and go, oh, well, look at how, look at their life. And um, it's dangerous. And I find that um, as I've seen them or even had to confront them for it, how quickly they go from being a sheep and concerned about the sheep to being a wolf to when they turn and they bite and they devour and they begin to backbite and they begin to try and tear away and cause a division in the church um, and take down anyone in their way because they're so caught up in their d- pet doctrine and their legalism or whatever it may be. It says here that that they gave no such commandment. They gave no such commandment. That These things that these guys are teaching them, was never commanded by the apostles was never told by the church that they had to follow all these laws that they're making things up and that these people are claiming false authority because it's something that they wanted to put on other people and and how often is that you know do as i say not as i do that we have this hypocrisy in us when we try and put a burden on someone else here but they claimed false authority that's dangerous you know we always need to remember where authority comes from authority comes from the scripture And from the word of God, if God hasn't given you the authority from his word, then we really need to stay away from it. And we see so many, so many movements get in that, you know, even the the faith movement calling down this authority that you don't have. Um, And, you know, all sorts of things I'm sure we could come up with a list for. You know, I think of David when he stepped in front of Goliath. He said, I didn't, I, he couldn't even fit into Saul's armor. He says, your armor is too heavy. He didn't come in, in this other name. He says, I come to you in the name of the Lord. I'm a little boy. I've got five stones in my pocket and a sling. I come to you in the name of the Lord. You're going against God. I'm coming against you. And as my daughter Mia is like to quote a lot lately from Winnie the Pooh, she says, we come to you in the name of the hundred acre woods. You know, that there was this whole Winnie the Pooh story. She likes to do that. But you know, what authority does it come from? Where does our authority come from? What name do we come to other people? And is it is it the name of our doctrine? Is it, oh, I go to Calvary Chapel, or I go to this church, or I go to that church, and that's got some cloud to it? Um, or do we just come simply in the name of Jesus? Uh, because that's the name that has the power. And I, I question, you know, to show me your leadership badge by your behavior and the fruits from it that were born unto God. You know, if you get pulled over, you should probably look for a badge. You should probably make sure that the guy's not driving a Honda Civic, because I've never seen a cop drive a Honda Civic, if he does, Well, maybe he's undercover, but check his lights, check his badge, call 911, say, I'm going to make sure you're the right person. Because I've even heard of people impersonating police officers. Uh, You know, it's a power trip. I wonder sometimes we drive our big black truck and I've got like um, an off-road light bar behind the grill that if people, I've seen people slow down and begin to act funny and look and make sure I'm not a cop. And I do the same thing when I see a black Tahoe, (laughs) you know, but then once they realize that authority is not there, you know, (laughs) the pedal goes back down to the way it was. That should be the same way with us. You know, we should consider when a leader comes to us. But man, we got to be very careful, especially in this day and age. We need to inspect the fruit. And not that we would do it in a judgmental way, but really, well, are the things they're doing, are they lining up with scripture? Is there fruit coming out of what's being taught or what's being said? Does their life have fruit in it? But then even is that fruit, is that fruit something that that they're all bringing to themselves and trying to get other people to come to, to follow them with? Or as the scripture says, is it fruit born unto God? When they, when there's fruit in their life, is it an offering back to God? Is it a sweet smell back to God? Or is it them just trying to uh, draw men unto themselves? You know, with that, with that deal, you know, that uh, dollar menu. <laughs> but verse 25, it says, it seemed good to us. And I think it's interesting that this word is translated a little different here because it's the same word as pleased in verse 22. Uh, I don't think I wrote it down, but I think the word is dokeo. Um, but it means to be of an opinion, to think or to suppose, to seem to be accounted or reputed, or it seems to me, I think, I judge, that's in question. It seems good, please determined. Again, think about the Supreme Court interpreting the law. You know, the executive branch executes the law, carries it out. Congress writes the law, the law governs the land. But the Supreme Court, they were meant to look at the law and consider what the law said and make a ruling based on that. And that's sort of an idea what I get here, this word that I think or judge based on what they're considering. That it seemed good to me. I looked at the situation. I looked at what the Bible said. We looked at what God was doing. And it seemed good for us to write you this letter. It seemed good what God was doing and how dare we get in the way. And it definitely seemed wrong what these other people were saying. And it says it seemed good to send chosen men You know, we don't always need a direct word from the Lord. I'm very big on a direct word from the Lord when it comes to making decisions. You know, even to the point uh, where it's like, well, what toothpaste do I get? Let me pray about it. You know, there are times like that. And sometimes I think it's good to be that way. But other times, you know, again, we don't want to be so legalistic. Sometimes we just need to say, it seems good. It seems good to do so. I mean, you guys have been around the church for a while. Um, Whenever there's a call for, like, uh, help in the children's ministry or help in any area of ministry and... uh, you know, people come up with all sorts of excuses and they go, well, I need to pray about it. I need to pray about it. Well, you know, do you really, do I really, you know, if we see a need, shouldn't we just do it sometimes? And that's definitely for me as well. But I think sometimes we get over spiritual about it. Does it seem good? Is there something good that needs to be done? Does it seem good to do it? And I have the ability to do it. Why don't I do it? Or I don't have the ability to do it, but it just needs to get done. Uh, It should get, it should be taken care of that way. You know, um, we don't always need that direct word from the Lord. Sometimes when it's good, we just need to do it. You know, homeless guy needs a sandwich and a Bible. Do you have an extra sandwich? Do you have a Bible? Do you have five bucks? Maybe it seems good. Maybe you see him there every day and he's a little suspicious. <laughs> maybe it still seems good. I don't know. It's between you and the Lord, but maybe it's extra offering when they pass the plate or that bucket when you're out at a concert and there's a traveling ministry. Maybe it seems good to support that ministry. Maybe it does. Maybe you don't need to pray about it. Eh, whatever, I don't need this money, Lord, or whatever it is. Befriend someone for their sake. Maybe it just seems good. There's a person lonely, you see them, you make friends with them. You, I don't know that you need to pray about it. Pray for them. I don't know that you need to sit there, Lord, do you really want me to go talk to this person who has no friends and I'm a believer? <laughs> and maybe, no, just befriend them. Maybe it's taking out the trash, like we were talking before. Sometimes I look at the trash and there's a pile and I go, I know it seems good to take this thing out now, but I really don't want to take it out and, and I'll do it sometimes because it seems good. And I come back and I go, yeah, this is good. The house doesn't smell. There's no trash anymore. I didn't need to pray about it. You know, I've even heard it said by this pastor uh, years ago that sometimes it takes more Holy spirit to do the dishes than to preach the gospel. But I digress. You know, sometimes we just need to do the well or do the good. We need to do the well. Um, James 4, 17, Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. James is saying, you know about the good. You know that the good should be done, but you're not doing it. Well, that means you're in sin. Uh, sometimes we just got to do it. You know, again, like we talked about before, we pray and pray, but we really just need to do it. We really need to do it verse 26 says men who have risked their lives for the name of jesus i think again that this is where these guys credibility comes in when they come in with this message about uh you don't need to follow the law just follow these couple of things and you'll do well um that their lives were risked for jesus and i wonder what sort of credibility we have in that sense you know what have we risked if it's not our physical life thankfully maybe we haven't had that opportunity Uh, But what about our popularity? What about a a friendship we've had or a personal gain like we talked about before where you risked it or put it on the line for the Lord because you knew that you needed to choose the right thing and not to cheat on that test or not to cheat on this or that. Uh, But verse 28 says, It also seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. And if God considers it good, it should be good to us. You know, it's almost a no-brainer. Well, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit, but we weren't so sure about it. You know, I think if we're honest, we'll say that that's probably reality in a lot of situations. God begins to show something to us or bring something in our path. And we know it seems good to him. And we know what the good thing to do is, like Jonah. And we go, eh, doesn't really seem good to me, Lord. (laughs) You know who these people are. Um, You know, remember God said to Peter, rise, Peter, kill and eat. It's clean. And Peter goes, no way, Lord, it's dirty. God just told you to eat it, Peter. You know, I I think we need to kind of deal with that. You know, sort of like our kids sometimes. You know, Mia, you, you like french fries. You can eat them, you know and she never has any problem with french fries but sometimes neither do i but sometimes what what god considers good and says it good says it's good shows us it's good takes a long time to trickle down through the ranks you know i guess it was trickle down economics but sometimes god will begin to work something in the church work something in, in the leadership and sometimes it takes a little while for everyone to get it sometimes it takes a little while i think of uh, the late pastor Chuck Smith when when he began to be when he was called by the lord you know he left being a doctor because he felt like the lord was calling him into ministry and as he was in the ministry god began to show him some things that you know maybe weren't necessarily wrong with the churches they were in but just wasn't really jiving what uh what god was showing pastor chuck in the scriptures so he began to do other things and even then as the hippies began to come in uh he was a little upset over about uh, what they were wearing what they were like and his wife was the one it was like hey chuck you know Don't worry about it. And then he pulled out all the carpets of the church and that they came in. We see this great move of God that worked through Pastor Chuck and through the Calvary Chapel movement. But it's not just through the Calvary movement. It's through other movements as well. Um, You know, we think of what the Lord said with wineskins. You know, it might be a little foreign to us. In Matthew 9, you know, I'm not going to read it all for time. But he says that no one puts a, a piece of, uh, it's 9, 14 through 17, he says, no one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment for the patch pulls away from the garment and the tear is made worse. Nor do they put new wine into old wineskins or else the wineskins break and the wine is spilled and the wineskins are ruined. But they, are, they put new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. And I'm not going to pretend to get into this on a deep level. There's things about parables and things that, you know, have been said don't even touch for years, years. Um, But I think maybe one little nugget, hopefully, that we can pull out of it is that sometimes God is desiring to do a new work, but he has to do it through a new channel, a new way. He can't just put it back into that old wineskin. Sometimes it's got to be through a different person. Sometimes it's got to be through a different church. Not that God is not going to continue using that church the way he was, but sometimes he's got to do it through someone else. Um, you know, it's kind of like skinny jeans on an old guy. <laughs> it just doesn't work. You go you're 50 You know, put the old man khakis on up to your belly button. It's not working. You know, you can just tell it doesn't fit um, You know and I'm getting there to a point where you know, I'm I'm gonna have to get the the white loafers and socks I don't know But I think for reality we need to look to new believers sometimes we need to watch the younger generation because if a church is just old people, it's probably dying in more ways than one. If the young people aren't being engaged, the young people aren't being reached, well, in a couple of years, it's just going to be a bunch of funerals, and no one's going to be left to do the funeral. You know, that there's new waves and new generations. And I'm not saying that, that everything that comes along with the young generation is right. Sometimes they, a lot of young people do a lot of foolish things, myself included. But in reality, you know, we need to be building up the younger generation. Um, we need to pass that torch. And sometimes God says, well... I've got to do it through the young people because it's not going to work through the old people. Or I've got to do it through this group of people as opposed to this group of people. I mean, God's a genius. He's more than a genius. He knows what he's doing. And sometimes he's got to move his pieces in a certain way uh, because they just fit those ways. Um, Even if it doesn't look like they're going to fit on the outside, sometimes God does it anyway. But he says here uh, in verse 28 that there's no greater burden than these necessary things. And some things are necessary that the Christian life, just like anything else, is not a free fall. Free for all. The world will tell you now it's a free for all. You can live wherever you want. You can do whatever you want. Pay your taxes. Don't pay your taxes. Be a citizen. Don't be a citizen. Be a man. Be a cat. Be a dog. Be a woman. Do whatever you want to do. Whatever you want to do it's going to be fine. And I'm telling you that I'm sure you guys know it, it. It doesn't work that way. It's not going to work that way. If it does, it's not going to last that way for long. You know, it's like if you don't have a job, and you have a certain amount of money, and you go spend all that money, well, you're not going to have any more money. Eventually, all that money is going to run out. Um, That's why they say here, if you keep yourself from these, you will do well. If you, then you, that there's this personal responsibility here when it comes to sanctification, when it comes to living holy, when it comes to the Christian walk. You know, Joshua 24, 14 through 15 says, Now therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and truth, And put away the gods which your fathers served on the side of the river in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil for you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, the rest of Joshua 24 is interesting in that context. But the people have this response and Joshua goes, No, not really. You guys really got to consider what you're saying here. But that there's personal responsibility, like I said, in our sanctification. You know, we still need to choose the choices that we make. We still have free will, guys. And I'm sure you know that. But accept that it's really free now. It's really free to choose good. It's really free to choose good. You know, I remember, uh, you guys probably remember too, before you knew the Lord making decisions and what seemed good and what didn't seem good and what lengths you would go through to get something that seemed good. But you look back on now and go, that wasn't good at all. I mean, maybe it was a bad choice. The lengths you would go through to get drugs or a relationship or um, to get ahead. But now that we can truly see what is good, we can truly choose it. You know, before we would just make the lesser of two evils, so to speak. And now we have an opportunity to really choose good. And it's really um, it really does require effort, especially in this day and age, to choose the good thing, to choose the right thing. Choosing the evil thing is super easy. You can go out and choose whatever evil thing almost you want this day and age and the world will throw you parade, give you grant money, do whatever you want to do to do it. But to choose the right thing, man, uh, it's not so easy to do anymore. But really, this is a promise. You will do well. That if you do these things, you're going to do well. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. If you do them, maybe you'll do well. It's not like an investment advice. Well, if you invest this way, odds are you'll turn out on top. It's, it's, you will do well if you do these things. You know, doing well and doing good are a new brainer You know, a no-brainer, I think, sorry. I, I think we all want to do well. You know, if we were to to really get down to it, I'm sure you want to do well. I want to do well in life. I want, you know, I don't necessarily want to be living in a box on the street corner unless that's really what God has for me. You know, spiritually too. I want to do well spiritually. I want to have a life that I look back on and say, yeah, that was successful spiritually. I want my kids to do well. I want to be a good father for them. I think we all would have uh, similar desires in that sense. Um, but I think where, you know, we get into it is really what I at least find for myself is that maybe I think I can do it a different way. Maybe I think I can do well without doing it God's way, that I've come up somehow in my 34 short years of a, a better way of doing things. You know, life is hard and making that right decision can be hard. And like I said, the more I walk through life with God, the more I'm realizing that the right answers can be pretty obvious sometimes. Sometimes that good to do is pretty obvious. Sometimes it's not. But sometimes it's pretty obvious. And really, it's I just don't want to do it. Or rather, like I said, I think I can do things another way and still get the right done. You know, I can do things the wrong way, so to speak, and still get it done. I can cheat. I can go cut a corner. And maybe it doesn't even feel like that in my mind. Maybe it it wouldn't even really be cheating. But maybe it would be if it wasn't God's will for my life. Um, You know, it's really simple. It's two plus two always equals four. And that's the same thing here. If we keep ourselves from these things, in a sense, we're going to do well we keep ourselves from sex from morality, if we keep ourselves um, from things strangled with blood, that's a little more related to living in a Jewish society. Um, but if we don't worship idols, of course we're going to do well. If, if we're not out in the market buying things that we shouldn't be buying, we're going to be fine. You know, if we keep ourselves from these, we're going to do well. Um, you know, if we obey God's word and we still end up in trouble, at least we know it's totally on God. To get us out why because we did the right thing we did the good thing we obey god's word so if he's allowed it well then good it's his responsibility but on the other hand if we've not obeyed god's word and we find ourselves in trouble it's because we've made the mess and sometimes you know god will help us out of that mess But I think a lot of times it's our responsibility to begin cleaning up that mess, going and asking for forgiveness, confessing your sin, making right the wrongs like the Bible talks about. God will help you do that. But in a sense, man, if we ended up in a mess because it's our own fault, well, we don't really have anyone else to blame but us trying to do it another way than God's way. Let's uh, read a few more verses here. Verse 30. Um, so when they were sent off, they came to Antioch. And when they had gathered the multitude together, they had delivered a letter. And when they had read it, they re- rejoiced over its encouragement. Now Judas and Silas themselves, being prophets also, exhorted and strengthened the brethren with many words. And after they had stayed there for a time, they sent back. They were sent back with greetings from the brethren to the apostles. However, it seemed good to Silas to remain there. Paul and Barnabas also remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also and it says they were sent off you know i can't stress enough to send your loved one off whether whether it's in the church and people begin to go out on the on missionary work or whatever they're doing to send them off in a loving way but i think also with our families guys when people leave that we love and we care about say i love you say i care for you because they need to know it they need encouragement but also i think we don't know we never know what's going to happen you don't, especially these days you don't know what's going to happen Um, Even to the point I'd rather say I love my kids till they're sick of hearing it, that they would know it. Um, But they were waiting to gather the multitude together to make sure that the right message was conveyed. You know, that they didn't want any telephone game to appear here. They waited for everyone to come together, and then they shared this letter. Then they shared the truth um, that they didn't need to be tied down to the law here. And I think that the telephone game gets real bad in the church for some reason. Uh, You guys have been around church a while, I'm sure you've heard the telephone game go on where one person says one thing and another person says another thing and by the time it gets to you you go really i don't think that's the case here and it still goes on especially in the internet day and age but i remember at our church we would have uh in new york we would have family meetings that if there was something going on in the church if there was a good thing a bad thing a yearly meeting a servants meeting that we would get everyone together and then we would share the important news with the body because um you didn't want it to be a telephone game you know like when pastors were called elsewhere when Um, when something was going on financially or when we were looking to do some new ministry or some new outreach or whatever the case may be, or uh, we did it as a family. That way people would know what was going on and they would hear it from the horse's mouth, uh, so to speak. But it says here that they rejoiced over encouragement. And I don't really know. A lot of times that people don't rejoice over encouragement. There are times you haven't rejoiced over it. I mean, I can remember being in hard times in life, and someone would try and encourage me. I'd be like, Ah, you know, that's don't be trait. Don't be that way. But if you get out of work early, don't you rejoice? If you get a snow day when you're little, don't you rejoice? If you get extra pay, vacation time, don't you rejoice? You know, uh, those in laws aren't coming to visit, don't you rejoice? Just kidding. You want to pop up if you're listening. But, you know, don't you rejoice those things when, um, when good things happen or when you're encouraged? And I think it seems obvious, but I think it really is driving the point here that they rejoiced over this encouragement because the burden was put on them was so heavy. Man, how can we do this? How can I keep the law? I really have to do that to be made right with God? I thought it was just Jesus and this burden that's on them. And especially spiritual burdens, They really sap your joy, guys. I mean, I don't know about you, but me, nothing saps my joy quicker than being under a spiritual burden, whether it's sin or whether it's some expectation that's come up or anything like that. You know, if you want to do, you want to do well, but you just can't seem to do it. You want to do well, but oh man, uh, it just never goes right. I can never do it right. It's discouraging. You know, Romans chapter 7, Paul speaks of the internal struggle and the carnal Christian. We won't turn there, but he talks about, oh, I know the good to do and I want to do it, but I see that sin is within me and this struggle that goes on there. And again, it's not an excuse for sin, as some might use that passage, but really it's a realization of it, that there's this indwelling in my fleshly life and my personal need for a savior from it. But the law only further exposes that, that. This law was being put on them and it wasn't just exposing sin in their life. But it was showing them that, man, there's no way for them to do this. And it was a burden, and it was taking their joy. Um, we see here that it seemed good that Silas and Judas, these prophet guys, say, okay, we, you know, we've given the message, we've encouraged you, it's time for us to go back. But it says it seemed good to Silas to remain there. Sorry, Silas didn't go back. Uh, but he remains there, and again, seemingly good. He looked at his situation with his spiritual eyes, and he hung back there. Uh, he didn't necessarily need a word from the Lord, I don't think but he had the peace of God in the situation. Again, that these things may seem good to us. And we just need to spiritually, hey, it seems good for me to go here. It seems good for me to stay here. It seems good for me to leave. It seems good for me to be involved in this or that. Sometimes we just need to do it. But again, there's a lot of things that, don't, that may seem good to us in the beginning, whether it's a bad relationship, um, whether it's investments or jobs or moves or etc. But when you get in it, it's abusive, it's failing. It's not quite what they promised to be or their money pits. I remember back in the day, right around the time I got saved, uh, some of my friends had this one car and I couldn't afford that car. So I got like the sedan version and it was like really cheap. And I you know, I, I probably could have bought another car at the time, but I just I had my eyes so fixed on it uh, that I bought this thing and it turned out to be a money pit. It was like, it got me upside down on my loan. I was always putting money into it. Eventually uh, I had to get another car out of it. And that's the same thing. It seemed so good to me at the time but man, after having for a little while, I realized it's not so good. You know, Silas considered the, the situation spiritually, and he made a good spiritual decision. You know, it wasn't based on circumstances, but the needs of those around him and the opportunity to bear fruit for God. Paul and Barnabas were remaining there as well. And Silas said, man, it's good for me to stay here and do this. You know, there's enough leaders back at the other church. This church up here has been through some uh, issues. I need to stay here and help them out. Um, and I think staying with the, the good leadership was a good move. And uh we'll stop there for for we'll add the next section next week. But man, um you know doing well, even if you failed, you can still do well again. As we'll see here uh with Barnabas and Mark uh in the next section. But doing well requires the Holy Spirit. We can't do well in the Christian life without the Holy Spirit. You can do well in life without God. There's people who are successful in life without God. Um will it end up good for them? No. You know will it end up with the way they want to do it no i mean again it comes down to doing well will they do good things without god no um you know it, it may look good but uh, motive may be wrong but doing well really re- requires a removal of burdens removal of burdens that yeah we can do well in our situation you can do well in a rough neighborhood you can do well in a pit like joseph you can do well in hard times and sometimes we need those things to cultivate doing well in us but spiritually to do well we're not going to do well if we're burdened down by things if the past is weighing us down if there's some sin that we're struggling with that keeps weighing us down it's going to prevent us from doing well um, but it also requires holy direction and holy dedication to do well that man god needs to give us a direction we need to see that direction but we also need to be wholly dedicated to it we need you to abstain from these things but, uh, maybe you don't have any trouble with with things with blood you know we got some stakes that we don't normally get for Valentine's day as uh, we're not going out. So I rationalized it. <laughs> we're not going out so we can get some, we'll have a nice dinner together. I don't have any problem with cooking that well done. I don't have any problem with taking the blood out of that meat. So maybe that's not a struggle, but these other things like sexual reality in this culture it's hard. And you know, I'm beginning to wonder, do I even want TV anymore? You know, it's, that's a real struggle because I'm finding that a lot of the shows that they put on now are just completely garbage. <laughs> like completely, every little show they begin to put something in and I go, I begin to rationalize, I go, well, well, you know, and I go, maybe I should get rid of it all. But uh, you didn't hear that here. That's not on tape. (laughs) That's if you'll be here next week when you come back. (laughs) But really, you know, like the Lord said, you know, he's gonna set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on the left. And the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. You know, God is pleased with you already. It's not because of the law. There's no burden that God wants to put on you. He took the burden away at the cross um, because of Jesus. He's pleased with you and me. Now, is he necessarily pleased with the way we're living? Uh, Maybe, maybe not. Um, But as a person, he's pleased with us. Just like, you know, uh, that's one thing I want to know with my kids. I always remind them, no matter what, I'm always going to love you. No matter what, nothing will ever change that. And I think that's hard for us to realize sometimes that God is pleased with us. And you know what? He wants us to do well. He wants us to do well and he's going to do everything possible to help us do well no matter where um, we are or what we've done so father we ask that you'd help us to do well and to do the good that we see before us to do it uh, to give us clear direction on the doing the well and god we pray that uh, you would help us to uh, give our burdens to you if there's anything that's burning us now god we give it to you i give it to you and god if there's anything that's holding us back whether it's a burden someone else has put on us some expectation or some misunderstanding Uh, god would you take that god or if it's some sin we're struggling with god help us to do well help us to turn off the stuff that's bad help us to turn on the things that are good and uh, god would you just fill your spirit bless our friends today and uh, god we pray you uh, give us keep us safe this week as the snow comes but god would you come back soon and when you do god would you uh, be pleased god with us not uh, in what we've done but god that we would uh, you would be pleased in our progress for our sake not that you're pleased with us and would be upset with us, but that, God, you'd be so thrilled to hand over uh, all those crowns and rewards that, God, we might cast them back to you, that you might grab us and hug us and, and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into your Father's rest. And We look forward to that day. God, come soon, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.